The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Tom Fernelli. Uh, if you're joining us live here on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe buttons. If you're listening to us later, you're still cool, too. We still love you. On today's show, we're doing a, uh, a mailbag because tomorrow is the NFL draft. So instead of doing it on Thursday, we're going to have kind of a draft special tomorrow. We move the mailbag up a day to Wednesday. Chip is not here. Do not worry. He's not in prison. He is just moving. So he'll be back maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Is Chip back tomorrow? Do you guys know? That's a big house he's moving into. Man, oh, can't, yeah. can't hide money. <laughs> no. I mean, or, you know, maybe maybe Dion just kicked Chip off the show. Maybe Dion told Chip it was time for him to start looking elsewhere after seeing his performance in the spring game. But we'll get to more on that later. Uh, before we get to Colorado, let's start with some other news that kind of took place this weekend. We were expecting, you know, while everybody has been focused on what's going on in Boulder, Boulder is not the only place where players enter the transfer portal once spring games resume. Notre or and Notre Dame played their spring game over the weekend. And shortly afterward, Tyler Buckner, the quarterback who was began last season as a starter, got hurt, lost the job to Drew Pine, entered the transfer portal. And it's been an interesting situation because as we talked about on Monday's show, a lot of schools out there right now probably thinking, you know what, we could we could use a little bit more at the quarterback department. We talked about a few of them and one of those schools is Alabama, where we were wondering how the tide felt after seeing their quarterback struggle in the spring game. Anybody know where the guy who chose Tyler Buckner to be his starting quarterback last year at Notre Dame is coaching now? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is he in Tuscaloosa? 
I, I believe so. I believe Tommy Reese is the new offensive coordinator at Alabama. So there has been some kind of dot connecting there. I don't know how legitimate any of that is, but we've talked about it. Alabama might be in the market. Auburn might be in the market. Florida might be in the market. A lot of places might be in the market. But those are three big schools in the SEC that we think are, you know, at least sniffing around. But do we think Tyler Buckner was a four-star prospect coming out of high school? As I mentioned, he earned the job at Notre Dame before getting hurt. Do we think he's like a legitimate target for any of those schools? Or is this somebody who might be going, you know, quote unquote, down a notch to find playing time elsewhere? I, so man, I had a lot of thoughts on this yesterday when it came out. But the first one is if you are playing as Alabama on dynasty mode on NCAA and your quarterbacks don't look any good in the spring game and you look to the portal and it's Tyler Buckner or Ben Bryant, don't you kind of disconnect and you pull the cord real quick and, and, and you hope the game resets and, and some different guys <laughs> pop up. So Buckner was a pretty highly rated recruit. He was also a dude in that COVID class. You guys have heard me say this for a long time. I think that the rankings for the entire recruiting industry for the COVID class are going to be orders of magnitude worse than a normal year because a lot of guys didn't play, including him, their, their senior year of high school. Like I have no idea what he would have ended up rated had he played. In college so far, the guy has been terrible. I mean, under five yards, net adjusted per attempt. Yes, he tore up South Carolina in the bowl game, kind of. But, hey, we all on this show bet the crap out of Notre Dame because we knew all those dudes were out for South Carolina. And he also threw two horrendous pick sixes. He was bad against Marshall. He was bad against Ohio State. So if you're an Alabama fan and Tyler Buckner is presented in any way as a solution to your quarterback issue, it, it's time to panic. I wouldn't lump Florida and Auburn in, though, with Bama. Like, I do oh, think no. that yeah. the, those schools may be more of an option. And for him, per, like, perception-wise, where's the downside to other schools thinking that Alabama might have interest in you? It's always great. Prospects claim fake Alabama offers all the time. <laughs> I actually have an Alabama offer. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think there's got to be, there's some rumblings out there too. I mean, we've talked about it when Tyler Van Dyke, like why was their interest in from Bama and we didn't see them exactly light it up in their spring game. So maybe there's a little bit concern and maybe one of them pans out, but competition is always good. That's what I do. That's what I think will be the big tell because Tommy Reese has now seen both his quarterbacks in Tuscaloosa. He's seen Buckner. If they take him, I'm a little more worried about Alabama's quarterback situation. If they mm-hmm. don't, then I'm like, all right, Ty, like you knew you had the option most likely to get Buckner in there. And if you're like, nah, we're good. Like, even though, you know, you know we have familiarity, like we're good. Then you have to feel a little bit better about it. Um, the other aspect of this, and I'm curious to know what you guys think. And maybe this is a case by case basis, but I hate, hate the optics of Buckner putting out a tweet. That's, you know, it's a letter, a love letter to Notre Dame that says, dear Notre Dame, you know, I love the time we've spent together. What a great time it's been working with the staff and all my teammates, but I'm going to go into the portal and just see my options, see what they are out there, see if there's any better opportunities. And if not, Coach Freeman has made it clear I'm coming back. Like I can come back. Uh, there's something about that that rubs me the wrong way. I think it probably depends on each situation. You also brought in Sam Hartman, right? Like to take your job. So that probably wasn't the most fair thing that happened. 
And maybe that's why Marcus Freeman is even letting this happen because some coaches may have more of a hardline policy of don't come back if you enter the portal. But I just, and he, he does have, he has the red flag, right? He's got the red uh, check mark that says, don't contact me uh, in the portal, which I guess, you know, says, hey, he already has a couple places in mind that he is already seeking. But if like I'm Marcus Freeman and he comes into my office and he tells me he's considered transferring, I almost feel like, can you do this quietly? And then once you go, you go. And if you don't, like, I, I don't care if we tamper. Like, go ahead and talk to schools. You don't have to, I mean, I know that's illegal, but have your people reach out, see what's out there. I just don't like the optics of this. I think it could undermine a locker room when you see some guys treated differently that are allowed to come back and some aren't. You never use that approach, like, with a girl you were in a relationship with? Right. Like, it was oh, like, I've tried. It's like I got away with it in high school too, with some, you know, (laughs) I've, I've loved our time together and it's got absolutely nothing to do with you. It's just, I'm in a place right now where I just, I feel like I'm not ready for this. I just, I have to move on. makes you feel better about yourself. At least I don't know. I have no idea how they feel about it, but it made me feel good about it. It's the classic. We'll see how things are in the fall, but it's the summer now. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the play. (laughs) K-I-T, <laughs> have mm-hmm. a great summer. <laughs> yeah. Marcus Freeman's yearbook here with Buckner. I, look, I, I I get it, and I, I'm a little tired of all these, like the love letters to the fan bases and whatnot that look like they were written by ChatGPT. But Kenny Menchie outplayed him as well, and I I mean, it would not be at all a shock to see Kenny Menchie over Tyler Buckner as, on the quarterback depth chart this fall for the Irish. He just, you know, hasn't looked good to me now maybe a change of scenery like the guy has some physical talent just doesn't seem to be able to understand where to go with the ball right yeah, see that, that that was always my kind of when i've seen buckner granted it's been a very very limited sample size we've also discussed at length last year the lack of playmaking options that were on that notre dame offense so it's like it's and that's one of the more interesting side things about this to me is now that buckner's in the portal drew pine has already left if both of them play well in their new stops, it'll kind of give us ammunition for the things we were saying about the Notre Dame offense last year. But anyways, I just think with Buckner, when I have seen him play, he strikes me as far more prospect than quarterback to this point. And maybe it clicks, maybe it takes off and he gets in the right situation, whether it's, you know, Auburn or Florida or somewhere, he gets in the right situation and begins to play well and flourishes. I'm not ruling that out. It's just from what I have seen, eh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be excited if my team added Tyler Buckner, just to be honest with you. Um, speaking yeah. of. Well, not if my team is Alabama and I'm trying to win a national no. title. But like I mean, if, if you're my Florida, team is Auburn. I mean, I, competition. I don't know that Buckner is that much better than Mertz. Yeah. Is he better than Mertz? Because like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, at least you got an option. At least you got. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, you try. And. I've always felt like you try to collect quarterbacks and you tell the guy, hey, if you don't win the job, transfer the next year. But at this point, from what we've seen from Auburn and Florida, I would be willing to take them. Say, yeah, I'm not guarantee you anything, but you can come and compete in the spring or injury happens. You could have an opportunity. It's wide open. You know, come compete. I think you need that depth. And from what we've seen, they don't have the answer yet. I'm I'm higher on Mertz. Than I think most are. I, I just I, I'm not as high on the offensive line transfers that the Gators took. So like I, I thought when he was reasonably protected, he was okay. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no guarantee he's going to have protection this fall. Buckner can run around a little bit. Yeah, that's useful. Um, speaking of guys who are being run around, <laughs> 18 Colorado Buffaloes 
hit the transfer portal on Monday. Their spring game, we talked about it during Monday's show, was on Saturday. It was the only one broadcast on television. Dion was wearing a cowboy hat, really playing, really playing to the locals already. And not playing to the guys on his roster because based on what you're reading in stories at different websites, including cbssports.com, I mean, he, he made it clear when he showed up, like we saw, we all saw the press, the, the welcome, you know, talking to the team, they put it on social media where it was, you know, I'm bringing my bags and they're Louie. And if you're not part of this, you know, you got to pack your bags. You're going to be getting out of here. And we've gone over it at length. And I mean, he's sticking to his word because 18 players hit the portal on Monday after the spring game, the total number of players who have left in the off season since Dion took over the job is now up to 46. I don't know the math on this, but I think there are what, 10 players left that were actual contributors on scholarship last year's team still on the roster. And this is easily the most, I don't know, like over the top, I guess is a way to put it like overhaul of a roster in the transfer portal era that we have seen a coach coming into his first season. Like is Colorado going to have enough players to field the team in the fall? Because I understand that you can bring in transfers, but are there enough transfers to bring in? I, I think they're at 63 scholarship players accounted for, <laughs> and I, which means like, I think they have 19 committed to come in in the, in, in, in the fall. And so they can add 22 more if, if I'm correct about that, mm-hmm. which is sort of insane. I, I talked to some coaches this morning on, on the phone about this and a couple of G5s too, because I, I'm like, okay, Colorado as a roster is essentially like a mid-level G5 with a couple superstars on it, right, who otherwise would be plucked away through the portal, like Travis Hunter and, and those type of guys. Man, it's uh, it's really interesting to watch this unfold. I, I, a couple questions. Like, yes, Dion is correct in, in that he said, like, look, a lot of these guys are going to be gone. We're going to run a, run a lot of y'all off, and, and I don't want to really get into the morality of that right now unless you guys do. But, okay, so those guys are gone. I don't think all the guys who left are dudes that Colorado actually wanted to leave. I think a couple of the receivers they probably would have wanted to keep. Clearly, given the fact that they only have three scholarship defensive linemen on the mm-hmm. roster, they didn't want to lose their fifth-year starting nose guard. Even if the, the, the fan base doesn't think the guy's good, like he's good enough to start in a Power 5 league and play all 12 games and, and not play terribly. They, they, they lost a starting linebacker. So I was talking to some coaches, I'm like, okay, can you find three or four Power 5 quality defensive linemen right now? Can you find two corners? And I think seven of their 10 projected scholarship receivers are true freshmen or Somewhere or maybe red shirts like that. That's kind of wild. These coaches, even at, like I, I talked to a G5 guy, he runs a personnel department. He's like, they're going to be taking some major reaches unless they have a lot bigger names jump in than is currently in the portal. Like if we had to take 20 more guys right now, we, we would be taking a lot of guys who can't play here. So that'll be interesting. And then another thing to throw out here, how do you convince dudes to come to be backups? Because like, it's already hard enough if you're a Georgia or an Ohio State or somebody chasing a natty to be like, hey, man, leave your starting gig. Come be a backup here. You will play some. You won't start, but you might win a ring. Like you're not a you're not an NFL guy anyway. Here's a little NIL money. That's a hard sell. Not a lot of schools are able to pull that off. Colorado isn't playing for anything. One of the only things they have to sell, well, they have a couple things to sell. 
playing time if you're going to be a starter, but probably not much if you're a backup. And the fact that you get to be on the TV show, right? And maybe there's some NIL associated with that, depending on what kind of deal you work out. Uh, He's definitely doing what he said he would do in terms of shipping it out. But I'm not seeing the Louie come in yet. Where's Mm -hmm. where's the Louie? That to me is um, like, we're going to find out if he's the Pied Piper or not. Because like, what do you go for? You go to play for primetime. You're going, I mean, this is Deion Sanders, the brand. That's what, that's what he. That's what he's been selling. That's what Colorado brought him in. That's why the the stadium was packed. I um, I think this is probably part of the process. Like, but I thought there was a couple interesting things. And Bud, you sent us this. I was not aware of this. That you know they made such a big deal out of players who earned the numbers, right? And there were only thirteen players. I think you said that earned the numbers, and three of them entered the portal. Like to me, that would say that three of those guys they probably wanted. You know, like if they yeah. if they valued the way they were practicing, performing, buying into the culture, they give them a number, right? That's a reward. So those three probably hurt. The Jackson State guy, guy that comes with them, that's obviously somebody they knew, you know, and he he decides to bail on Dion, like who was very well aware of the culture of what was happening and what he was going to bring there. He decides to leave. Um, there's a couple red flags for me. I, I texted you guys this yesterday. I'm going to take the under. I mean, I, I know Joe Klatt's fired up and everybody loved the atmosphere that was there. And Joe Klatt says six wins is what we're getting. And I just think it's going to be a rough year. And then it gets really interesting. Like, does the Dion effect still work? And can you carry the Dion effect after a bad season to recruiting and the transfer portal? You know, I think that to me is the big question mark. Or does this thing completely come off the rails? Because I think that's a possibility. Like the I, the idea of a new coach kind of running off players is not new. Like it it happens everywhere. Every time a new coach takes over, we have not seen it in this large of a number where this much of a team is being kind of you know shown the door after spring practice. But that's another aspect of this. There's been 46 players, or whatever, that have hit the portal since Dion took over. 18 more take take off the Monday after the spring game. Did you accomplish anything this spring if half your team is leaving after you finish spring practice? Like, what what has the last two weeks been doing? Right. I mean, (laughs) I would say evaluating. You know, I think you're still evaluating because I mean, and I see here's the thing that I don't know of these guys that left, how many of them were they? Coach, because if you guys seen the clip, the clip like that he said on Monday where he predicted we're going to have a mass exodus, we're going to see a lot of guys leave, and then he's and then he challenges every player. He's like, go in, ask your coach where you stand with the program. Like, ask him what he thinks of your job. Do you have a future here? Like, basically, I mean, that's what it sounded like. What I don't know if some of those players were borderline that maybe they were coaching really hard because they want him to step up and like improve, and we can do it. But hey, you got to get a lot better. Like maybe those players didn't respond to that messaging and there was a miscommunication and then they're bounced and they're out versus the guys that they're like, you're just not good enough. Please go. You know, like that's what I would love to know, like the difference in their war room where they have a list of the entire roster and there's a red line somewhere on there that says these are the guys we want. These are the guys we don't. How many of them that they wanted have they lost? And I think we know, I would say pretty confidently, probably three to five. You've lost that you wanted. Maybe that number is a lot bigger. But until I know that, like, 
he said he was going to do it. Now, like the tight end that posted the picture and like said he wasn't getting the film, uh, that's welcome to the big leagues, man. That's that's like it's a harsh reality. But if you think they're going to like give your film and just hand it to you, you probably should have planned that out before you left because you probably could have gone into the film guy and said, hey, man, can you give me some highlights? And they would have done it for you. But to ask for it after, like when you're in the portal, nah, that's that's not the way things work. I don't think anywhere. Bud, you might have Well, no, Jim, Jim Moore came out and said that uh, we we believe it's actually our our mission as college coaches to help these guys. And like, if you want your film, to, they'll help you get to another school. We'll, we'll give it to you. I, I mean, look, if I'm that kid, Colorado is a public school, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm suing under FOIA. FOIA, o- that o- stuff. O- yep. open, open records. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like, like that's, that's part of my academic record and, and my, my thing here. Come on. Because a scholarship you technically can't get out of, right? I mean, a lot of these do four year scholarships, right? I know the big, well, a lot of the schools will keep paying well. for it. You just yeah. don't count against the count against the number. Right. Um, so, all right. Like, if we just construe all of the factors, like, in the light most favorable to Colorado, let's just assume, and this is not true because we know that there's about five guys that definitely would have helped them this year if they had stayed on the roster. Because there's guys that they lost who are just, there's not better players than the dudes they lost in the portal. Think about this. Even if they all sucked, that everybody they lost was not going to play. Think about the challenges you have of incorporating 40 new guys mm-hmm. in early August. Mm-hmm. They're scheme-wise, and, and they're running a really simple offensive scheme. And I, I did talk to some coaches about this this morning. They said, look, they'll actually probably be okay there because they they run that you know old Baylor offense that Sean Lewis runs, and, and that's something that's not a lot of plays. You, you can get guys in. But there's also like culture team building, all that kind of stuff. And guess what? You play 11 power five games. That There could be some issues with trying to build a team in the portal this late. And to Danny's point about what you got done in the spring window, evaluation, you know what you're not able to do? Evaluate these guys on your own team. What if you get a couple of these portal dudes in and you realize, oh, damn, none of these guys are actually any good, right? This is, this is problematic. So I'm well, interested in that. Hopefully they got their practice tape from the place they left. You can evaluate that. <laughs> By the way, uh, the time to bet Colorado under, if you wanted to bet a win total this early, um, was was Saturday because it went from four and a half juice over and it's all the way down to three and a half juice under. Really? So it, it dropped a whole win when people saw that Colorado's players look like me and you and Tom. <laughs> here's, here's a question from Hot Danger. Will Colorado have more losses or carryover players from last year's team? I think Vegas <laughs> has them both at 10 right now. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's great. I think they have fewer losses than they do carryover players. That's that's yeah. my final answer. But that's they're a good at question. so the latest note um, I have is is sixteen guys <laughs> that, that that are still on the roster from last year's team. I mean, that's like there was another question too from somebody in there, and you kind of touched on it a bit. Let me find the question. It was uh, how many of the forty six actually get picked up on other P five rosters? I don't know, but depth, like it's a long season. For not even just like team chemistry and knowing what you're doing, you're going to suffer injuries. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily, oh, these guys are surefire starters, but it's like, it's nice to have somebody on the bench who is familiar with the playbook if somebody goes down. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a problem. I think I, I just, 
maybe they get it all together. Maybe he hits the portal really hard over these next few months. Maybe they fill out the roster really well and they start the season on fire. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not skeptical long-term, but I'm very, from what I've seen this offseason, very skeptical about Colorado in 2023. I'm skeptical long-term to the extent of Danny's question, which is like, how, how long does the celebrity factor matter here? Like if they, they go two at, and 10? Yeah, our kid's going to sign up for that regardless. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so guys who they've lost who have gone to um, other Power 5 programs. Three, I got a couple here. Jarek Broussard going to Michigan yeah, State. Michigan State, yep. We, we don't count Brendan, Boise, right? So I'm at three. Brendan Rice going to USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. K- Casey, Casey Roddick went to, uh, um, uh, went to Florida State. I got Dimitri Stanley going to Iowa State. Yeah, so there's, I mean, wait, when did Brendan Rice leave? I thought it was last year. No, yeah, no, Brendan Rice was on USC last year. Oh, so I'm yeah, looking you're, you're, you're looking at the prior year. <laughs> so they, I think they're at four that have gone to power five schools already and probably a couple that, that will, will end up that just jumped in this week. So I don't know. It's at the over under like six, six and a half, which does speak to the roster. Dion's right yes. about that. This yes. is a bad roster, but yeah. you could use all six of those guys still. Yeah, nobody nobody is going to criticize Deion Sanders for thinking he needs to re overhaul that roster. It's just he might be going a little too heavy. He might be going a little too hard to start and getting his, you know, out ahead of his skis a little bit. There you go. That's some good Colorado analogy right there for you. Everybody loves to ski in Colorado. <laughs> um yeah, uh, well, it was a mailbag, so we should probably get to the mailbag. Before we do that, let's hit the break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. How should you feel about your team's latest draft picks? You should feel great about them. They're all wonderful kids, and they're all going to be superstars. The people in charge of your team are doing a wonderful job. Maybe I'm full of it. If you really want to know how you should feel about your team's latest draft picks, listen to With the First Pick podcast. It's your source for comprehensive draft coverage and pick breakdowns with CBS Sports draft expert Ryan Wilson and longtime general manager Rick Spielman. Ryan and Rick will recap each day of the draft, dishing out winners and losers from all seven rounds, and the draft chatter doesn't stop on Saturday. Stay tuned to the show for team-by-team draft grades and early look at who your team could be eyeing next year. Download and follow with the First Pick podcast wherever you find this one. All right, so with the first pick of the Cover 3 College Football Podcast mailbag, I'm going to go with a little little hidden gems for 2023 question. Chad writes, long live Barton. 
fade bud 2023 Ooh, buddy's gonna fade you wow. in 20, he thinks you're a little okay. too hot there he said dk secretly funded the gator collective chip <laughs> chip hates unc tom you're okay thumbs up emoji question many fans outside the big 10 didn't know iowa had a potential first rounder in sam laporta because of how gross iowa's offense was <laughs> going into the 2023 season are there any hidden gems on defenses or offenses that you expect to be bad p.s after listening for five years i finally came up with a question worth sending i, I think he means are there going to be any bad offenses or bad defenses with like actual talented NFL draft picks on them this year that we can look forward to? Well, it is hard to predict who won't start mm-hmm. until we see the, the final thing, right? Um, all right. Well, I got one for you. Yeah, who you got? A little trollish here. Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback of Miami. That offense might stink. I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be an NFL draft prospect. I, I was going to go with somebody on that offense as well. I, I, I actually think uh, Elijah Arroyo, the, the, the tight end they got. Ooh, yep. I'm, I'm still mm. kind of a believer in him. They lost Will Mallory, who I do think, if he stays healthy, could be a pretty good pro. Um, Travis Hunter is a really good one, actually. Mm-hmm. Do you know that like the top four receivers on Jackson State last year all signed with Power 5? Yeah. That's like if Colorado went and got five players from the AFC. To play a receiver like the, the the gap between the SWAC and the power five is enormous i mean like the, the worst power five team would win the SWAC by a ton like that's yeah that's something interesting to watch how they play when they don't have a huge talent talent advantage but travis hunter's a good one connor wegman that a troll texan <laughs> i mean they were bad last year I mean, that's that's kind of, yeah, that's it's a talented team. It's just I don't know how good the offense is going to be. Yeah, that's <laughs> how about how about Ricky Pearsall at Florida? I, I legitimately yeah. think he's a pretty good player and their their passing offense might suck again. I don't know how good or bad the offense will be, but I, I know this. I, I look at this one as an aspect of this isn't a team people are going to be watching, like looking out for Arizona's got two guys on offense. I think will prove to be like draft picks. Maybe not first rounders, but guys who will go in the early rounds. Um, Jacob Cowing at wide receiver who transferred there from UTEP before last season. I think that's an NFL player. And on their offensive line at tackle, they have a guy named Jordan Morgan, who I think will be drafted next year. So those are two dudes on the Arizona offense. I think most people have no idea who they are. And then another one from the Big Ten, like this is not, it's kind of, it's kind of like the Iowa situation. Like Sam Laporta, a tight end on a, Offense doesn't really put up numbers. Minnesota has a tight end and Brevin Spanford, who I think he was second or third on their team in catches last year. It's not exactly a prolific passing attack, but he is a good player in it. And he's also a better, he's a better blocker than Sam Laporta is. So I think as far as like a two-way kind of inline blocker with receiving ability, Brevin Spanford is somebody with the gophers that I would keep my eye on. I like that. I Evan Stewart got suggested in the chat. That's that's probably a pretty good one, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, who else here? I'm trying to think, like teams that'll be bad offenses, but might be. What about Graham Mertz? Lando seven four four eight says Martin Mertz <laughs> in Florida. Possibly, yeah. That this is a fun question. I'm confused on the question. So you're trying to find great players that were on bad or going to be good, bad like, this year, like good players that'll be on a bad offense, or you know, like Sam Laporte like at Iowa. From Northwestern? Yeah. 
that's a, I mean, I think Skronsky was more known than Laporta, but yeah, like it's, it's different, I think, with offensive linemen. But yeah, like, I mean, hell, look at Iowa, Eric All, Cade McNamara. These guys might be drafted out of, from a terrible offense. I don't know. Somebody on Stanford, probably that we're not thinking about right now, would would be a, a back to be named later. They're always in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about like a, like a guy like like Bub Means from from Pitt? Uh, yeah, I think, he's, I think he's got some juice. They lost some guys at receiver because Jared Wayne's gone. I mean, I could see him. That's probably not going to be a prolific passing offense because Narduzzi's the head coach. But they they have had a guy like Jordan Addison un, under Pat before, so. Uh, maybe he catches a lot of balls. I, I think a Rodney Gatson at Syracuse is is Ooh, really good. good. Yeah. And I don't I don't have like really high hopes for Syracuse this year because they're losing several good NFL players. They lose Tucker, they lose Matthew Bergeron, who's going to be like a top, probably top hundred type pick, like top three rounds, I would say, probably, at offensive yeah. tackle. You know, they, they lose a premium corner in Williams, they lose Deuce Chestnut, they lose um shoot, who else they lose? Oh, Jihad Carter's also gone. So I don't have really high hopes for them this year, but I, I kind of think that, yeah, Juice Wells at Carolina, especially if their offensive line is truly bad, then his ultimate production could get masked. But, and he came back. Jarquez Hunter. Yeah. Like, what's his top end speed wise? Like, or is he just kind of a, a bruiser back? I, I don't know. NFL wise, like, if that's the question. They seem to really, really value speed at, at running back now. Here's one since we're talking about the NFL draft from Cameron Cheek. Do Bub or Tom have any draft bets they like? Let me see. Uh, I took some Tyree Wilson to go the first defensive player at fairly long odds uh, like I, a month I a got, month ago. Yeah, I got it at plus 400 to be the second pick. That's currently at like plus 130, I think. It's a lot of people seem to think that's going to be the case. I also listen, I, I did. I put a mock draft out last week. I'm sticking to my guns. I took CJ Stroud as the first pick at 10 to one. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I got Bryce Young at plus 250 when it flip flopped. Mm-hmm. I jumped all over that one. I just I, I don't buy. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably going to be Bryce Young based on what everybody's saying and what I'm hearing, but. 10 to 1 for C.J. Stroud. I don't think that he just – like, what happened that they suddenly went from C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud to, ooh, no, nobody likes C.J. Stroud. Oh, he's terrible. It's just – it's a little weird. One that I'm I'm going to be wrong on, I'm I'm guessing because of how the line has moved away from me, is under four and a half quarterbacks. I I just – the I have a hard time seeing Hooker go in the first round, but – Honestly, like if the guy can play at a league average level on a rookie deal, that's a tremendous value for a team. And then you can afford to build a team around the guy. So somebody's somebody's going to trade into the late first round so they can get that extra year on Hendon Hooker and make sure they have him in his age 30 season. <laughs> I mean, God, it kind of makes sense. Um, what else? I had a couple. I will say on draft betting, just for the listeners at home, uh, you have to understand that if there's a you know a 99% chance that something happens laying minus 700 is value mm-hmm. not super early in the draft process but when you see stuff go to minus 1000 minus 1500 and get pulled there's a pretty good indication that people that are trying to make real money on this stuff know they're not they're not guessing uh, 
and that's not me telling you to, to chase the steam on this, but I would strongly advise against, oh, look, I can get plus 700 here. That's great value. Is it? Do you really think that like that this thing is going to minus 1500 based on opinion? Just, I, I'm not really a, a long shot draft better this late in the process. Am, am I just... So you're not paying attention to Reddit chat rumors that Will Levis is telling his family that he's going number one overall. You're not buying into that. Come on, bud. Oh, I I took a little piece, but I, I it was it was forty to one. I I saw it moving. I got some twenty five, but like you know, I, I really low limits. See that that just goes kind of show to how crazy like the markets are for NFL draft stuff to begin with, because like something like that could impact the lines that much. But that's also why they don't let you bet too much. Right. Yeah. But um, also, if you bet with a bookie, there's not a lot of betting stuff going on right now. Most people don't bet hockey. NBA playoff betting, sure. sure, But like, if you kill your guy on on NFL draft props, that's a pretty good way to to lose your account over the summer. Like combine that with (laughs) combine that with with like like killing them on strikeout props. And that's a great way to not have an account to bet in come football season. I also I like uh, for Thursday night. I like the under three and a half on wide receivers to go in the first round. I do not think I think it's going to be somewhat of a contrary to what we've seen in recent years. I do not think they're going to be a lot of wide receivers going early. I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba will get taken. I think that Quentin Johnston will get taken. Fairly confident Jordan Addison gets taken, maybe, but even that I'm not super highly sure about. After that, I don't know that there's another wide receiver anybody's going to take a shot out of the first. And I also like the over five and a half on offensive linemen. So I think we're going to see a lot of them going on Thursday night. Yeah. And I'm not convinced it's a great tight end year. I just think the tight ends are getting kind of beefed up or pumped up with helium because of the fact that it's not a great receiver year. Zay Flowers is a guy that could bust your bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, I think the size thing is going to scare people off of him, though. But that's the thing. Like, this is just a small wide receiver class, period. Like, there are no real, like, kind of big body freaks that we've seen in recent years where they're fast and huge. Most of the big guys in this class are more possession-y types. Uh, another draft question here from Richard Aitchison. Time travel question. Who gets drafted higher next season? Joe Milton, Quinn Ewers, or Jaden Daniels? This one to me is easy, but I want to know what you guys think. Um, I'll go Quinn Ewers. Yeah, if, if, if he holds he cut, off Arch Manning, yeah. he's the starter like all year at Texas. He'll put up big numbers. He's a very natural thrower of the football. I think he'll be the highest drafted. I would agree. If if he comes out, that means he's probably had a pretty nice year, and, and it'll be yours. Yeah, I'm with you. I know. I know Jordan wants. Yeah, us Jordan's to, uh, mad at us right now. <laughs> who, who's the highest? Who's the highest drafted quarterback currently on LSU's roster? Daniels or Nussmeyer? Whenever he comes out, I saw that you like Garrett Nussmeyer a lot, don't you? Mm-hmm. I think I. I it could be Nussmeyer, but just based on what I've already seen, I got to go with Jaden Daniels because I just haven't seen enough Nussmeyer. Here's a little breaking news here for you, bud. Manuel Pregon to USC. Fight on. Is this a big deal? Uh, yeah, I actually think it is a, a pretty big deal. So if you look at USC, they, they needed to do better on the offensive line this year. They went out, they attacked the portal. They got a couple kids from Florida who were good players in the SEC, right? They got, they got Michael Tarquin. They, they got Ethan White. Now, Ethan White's not going to play. I Some kind of, I don't know, medical thing or, or, or something. I'm not, not totally clear why he's not going to play 
at USC. Tarquin was a dude who was good enough to come in and unseat Cortland Ford for USC. And Kentucky, who desperately needed the right tackle, came and snapped up Cortland Ford immediately because Cortland Ford got beat out by Tarquin and hit the portal. So to me, that that shows that Tarquin, who was a good player for Florida already, is a nice hit for the Trojans. But because Ethan White's not going to play, they still have a spot they could upgrade at guard. And and uh, Pergon is actually a really good player by Mountain West standards. So to me, that that is a a nice thing. If you're Caleb Williams, you're like, yes, there we go, big time. Um, yeah, like that's some really nice work they've done in the transfer portal on the offensive line. Um, yeah, good job, good job by USC. We're very proud of you, USC. Um, you know, we haven't talked about it on the show yet. It's pretty pretty amazing. We haven't talked about the college football playoff. So here's a question about the college football playoff. I do not have a name for the, from the question. So whoever, I think, did Chip do this or Jordan? Whoever did it, just, wow, epic failure on your part. Um, from Random Person. Love the show, guys. Question for the crew. Under the new 12-team playoff, will there ever be a team to go 17-0, meaning they go undefeated but don't get a top four seed and then proceed to win it all? If so, who will be the first team to do it? Go dogs, by the way. I don't no. think it'll be them because dogs can't do it because they won't, they'll be a top four seed. So like you have to mm-hmm. think like it's gotta be somebody not SEC or Big Ten. It's gotta be like a G five team. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be it could be a Pac twelve. It could be an ACC. I think one of those teams, I mean, I but don't you you're think probably that, getting a one seed there too. I was gonna say I I, I think like an undefeated P5 team, even in a diminished version of the Pac-12 and ACC at whatever point, I think an undefeated P5 is going to get a top four seed. I just, I don't, unless there are four other undefeated teams. So I feel like it would have to be a G5 team. So for that G5 team to be undefeated and then run through the playoff from the very first round, no, that's never going to happen. Agreed. I mean, if you're being rated... Well, okay, hold on. There, there is a way this could go down. It's that Ohio State 2014 type way. The team is undefeated. They lose their stud quarterback. The committee can take injury into account. So it expects that the quarterback you know, doesn't have the ability to play in the playoffs. It's incorrect in that expectation. The guy who helped them go undefeated in the regular season is back in time or maybe like they win their first round game and he comes back to win the next two games for them. So that would be the a way. And obviously Joe, uh, Joe in the chat who we're featuring on screen now, check us out. YouTube.com slash cover three Notre Dame in theory, because Notre Dame cannot get a first round by. So definitely the, the Irish are the, are the other way this happens. Like, do you guys think a G5 team could do it? Because like the G5 is getting worse and worse by the year because they keep mm-hmm. getting snatched up by the P5. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I think it's like a Washington or Oregon. Yeah. You know, like in a weak Pac-12 without USC, UCLA, I could see a one-loss Big Ten or SEC champ being ranked over them. The question is, you'd still need two other undefeated. You could maybe have a Clemson or Florida State undefeated ACC. You know, it's hard to envision. Notre Dame, I think, is the best candidate. I think we all should have jumped on that one right away. Didn't even think I was thinking of conference champions. Me too. (laughs) But I, I think seventeen and 0, 16 and zero. I think it's just going to be very rare that we see undefeated teams. Period. 
in the new format because like there's this reason you don't see NFL teams go undefeated. The more games you play, eventually you're going to lose, especially when you get to a playoff and you start running up against other elite teams. And yeah. that late in the season, like let's say Georgia is, you know, crushing it, kill it in 2023. If the playoff existed this year, they sleepwalk through that schedule. They're playing this year. They're undefeated. They get to the SEC title game. They get tested. They win. Then they get to the playoff and somebody gets hurt. You're just kind of tired and battered. It's a long season. A lot of things can happen. A lot of variables come into play. Oh, uh, Matt Hembry says Notre Dame doesn't have conference championships, so they actually can't get the 17, which is also true. Oh, see, oh, look at that. We were right. We knew uh-huh. that. That's why we weren't including Notre Dame. <laughs> no, clearly, like, don't want this to happen again. But if we had another, like, pandemic-type season where, where the Irish ha- had to kind of, you know, shack up with the ACC again, and then they won the <laughs> ACC, would they, would they be by eligible? It's hmm. a good question. Hopefully then they the asterisk section. Yeah. I think you could see, see, I disagree with Tom, 16 game. I think you could see until we get some, some form of parity where there's this cap or something, you'll still have teams like Georgia, Bam, Ohio State just have way more talent than everybody else. Oh, I think you'll still see them. I just think they're going to be a lot rarer than we see undefeated champions now. Here's, here's another we good question. We not that many in this era, have we? We just had one this year. No, I know we just had one, but before that, yeah, all the time. There was like three undefeated teams in the playoffs two years ago. Um, here's here's one kind of the other side from Rob Smalley. Conversely, what's the worst record someone will have and win the whole thing? Like, will we have a nine and seven New York Giants Super Bowl champion? Oh God, I can't I wait for that so. show if we do. Let's go. And it'll be great. It'll be so good for college football. Which three loss SEC team is going to win a national title? For it them? will. That's, that's where it most likely will come from. Alabama. Let's say they started Jalen Milrow, and it was a disaster for a couple games. Then they lost one more, but they snuck in Ty Simpson. All this, or there's somebody else down the road. They discover a quarterback. Absolutely, it can happen. I I think it'll be dash three. Yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing a four loss team get into the playoff. I really have a hard time seeing a three-loss team get into the playoff due to just how subservient the committee is to the loss column. But like, like, like we gave the example of what if this, what if the committee thought this quarterback was out, but he's actually not out. The reverse of that. So, hey, this team started off the year zero and two, zero and three because their, you know, their Caleb Williams was out, and then once he came back, they ran that thing. They won their conference title. Blah 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 blah. Clearly, like they've demonstrated a lot, like you see with the basketball committee. I can't wait to talk about a team that's peaking at the right time. <laughs> Speaking of peaking at the right time, Wisconsin questions. They're peaking at the right time and they're coming up next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing. To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, 
taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wow. Pacey Winner's in trouble. Man. I never thought I'd see Pacey from Dawson's Creek in the lead of a, like a sexual thriller. <laughs> Never in a million years. Hey, now Pacey slept with his teacher. Don't forget. That is true. Maybe I should have seen it coming. He was a player. Also, he he lived down the street from my my wife back in the day. Um, all right. First question here, because there's there's got two questions about Wisconsin. People obviously interested. You know, it is the first spring with Luke Fickle. They're completely changing things, so it's it's a topic of conversation. Uh, love this podcast and appreciate the work you guys do. Thank you. Especially in the offseason and then instant reaction shows on Saturday nights. I consider myself a very realistic Wisconsin fan. I want to know what a very realistic Wisconsin fan, like what's, what's the stereotype of that? However, I can't help but get caught up in the hype of a Luke Fickle and the new look offense. SP plus and other metrics have Wisconsin as a top 20, 25 team in 2023. It's a lot of 20s in one sentence. I feel Wisconsin is slightly undervalued and they have a favorable schedule. My question is, what are your expectations for Wisconsin this year? Do you feel top 20 is a reasonable expectation? Also, how weird will it be for each of you to see Wisconsin run the dairy raid offense? Thanks, guys. Holden. Is that what they're calling it? I love it. Yeah. it is. I like it. I haven't heard that's, that. That's pretty awesome. I'm glad you like instant reaction shows. Uh, let, let us know in the chat or in the reviews. Like, if we did a live, like, listener appreciation style instant reaction show from like a theater or a bar that, like, like we ran out stage and whatnot, would you guys show up? Would you buy tickets ahead of time? Maybe from like, I don't know, an opening game of the year or something like that? Just let us know. I think it'd be pretty cool to do like a like, listener hangout. You know, grab a couple of beers, go on stage, recap the day uh, if we can. So anyway, just let us know. Danny, what expectations for Wisconsin this year? Um, so the question was top 20, top 25. So, I mean, that's basically you got to be eight and four and win your bowl game, nine and four. I think it's a reasonable expe- expectation. Yeah, I agree. I'm bullish on I'm bullish on Wisconsin a little bit. I don't want to say concerned with Tanner Mordecai's performance in the spring game. It wasn't the best weather. Um, but again, like that might be some of the issue that you could crop up in November when it is cold, potentially windy. You know, is that going to be an issue? Um, but I also know Luke Fickle, you know, defensive minded guy. Like that's probably one of those ones where what takes priority in this, and it's just natural. It happens all over the place. When you see a coach that's defensive mind, sometimes that ends up coming out on top. It's a priority. Um, I, I'm not that worried about the turnover bug yet. If there's a time to throw them, it's in the spring game. But it was not pretty. But I'm bullish on Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't think top 20 is unreasonable at all. I, I he, he, he mentions the schedule. He's right. It is as far as, you know, a lot of schedules are considered pretty favorable. Like... <laughs> Their draw from the East, they get Ohio State, which sucks, but they get Ohio State in Madison. And the other two Eastern teams they play are Indiana 
and Rutgers, which there aren't two other Eastern teams you want to play more than Indiana and Rutgers. And also their road schedule is pretty light. They get Wazoo on the road out of conference. They open at Revenge game. Yeah, they open at Purdue in Big Ten. Then they get Illinois and Indiana and Minnesota on the road. None of those are road games where you're sitting there saying, oh, they've got no shot in hell of winning those games. In fact, you'd you'd expect them to split them at worst. So if they can handle business at home, split their road games, they're probably going to be a top 20 team. Uh, I mean, they're double-digit favorites in six games. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty nice floor. That said, the other part of the question was, oh, how weird will it be for each of you to see Wisconsin run the dairy raid? Very weird. Very, very, very weird. I have been watching Wisconsin football for 30 years. It has looked the same every time, except for like a couple of years there where Gary Anderson came in. And that's also part of my concern because I remember what it looked like when Gary Anderson did kind of try to change it up a little bit. It did not go all that well. So I don't know. I, I, I think they've got a great coaching staff. I think Luke Fickle's a very good coach. I think he's brought very good coaches with him. I expect it will work, but I do wonder if there could be some early bumps in the process. Oh, to follow up on the Colorado thing, I, I, I think Adam Munster-Tiger, our, our, our Colorado guy from Buff Stampede, who was on summer school last year and is confirmed to be on summer school again this year, and I'm really excited for that one. He, uh, he was asked by one of our national writers uh, to rank or rate the Colorado transfers on a scale of one to five. Five meaning the transfer hurts. One, it'll have no impact on the team, in his opinion. But like he's at all the practices and, and has covered the team for like you know decades. So I don't think there's anybody out there doing a better job on this. Jordan Tyson, the leading receiver, got a full five. Uh, Lamonius Craig, the guy that went off in the spring game, got a four. Linebacker Aubrey Smith got a four. Jalen Sammy, that's a starting nose guard from yesterday, got a four. Couple guys got threes. Uh, running back Deion Smith, uh, Tavion Beasley—that's the guy that came from Jackson State. He got a three. Chase Sowell, I assume, got a three, just because you don't really want to have seven true freshmen out of your ten receivers on the death chart. That's not necessarily great, especially if Hunter is one of those guys, because uh, he's probably have to play some defense. And then Jason Oliver, uh, another corner, got a three as well as Tyron Taylor got a three. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's ten guys. The other dudes all got like ones or twos which I think kind of kind of speaks to it. Travis Gray, he put a two on. Travis Gray is apparently just, in his opinion, I'm guessing just big, maybe not good. Here, Danny, I know you've got to go soon, so here's a question for you from The Real Coconut. What will it take for DK to join the Cover 3 Beautiful Beard Club? I feel like there needs to be a bet on the line. Well, I mean, I yeah, a bet would be great, plus an endorsement for Just for Men, <laughs> uh, because oh, I the get... Russian? Yeah, yeah, I got I'm a free sample of that. Right? I'm thinking of trying it. Yeah, it works. Remember some of the people that grew like I think Dave Letterman or um, Stewart, like one of those guys when they grew up, their beards like who is that? Like that guy looks old, gray beard, like big time. But if we get a just for men endorsement, I'll grow it out thick the, and proud. Let's go. The, the wife, the wife would sign off on it if you get the endorsement. Oh yeah, she well she likes it because I've done it before. She likes the more scruffy beard, like the shorter beard. She doesn't like the bushy beard. Gotcha. But I mean, you got to do it for the team, right? Yeah, yeah do it. Sure, yeah. I'll do it. We got to we got to come up with like some facial hair bets then for the season. Definitely. Good <laughs> right. pictures with a beard. <laughs> All right. uh, See you guys. later. There was the other Wisconsin question. It's probably you know this is more your tilted your view anyway. But uh, 
I noted again, another no name was it Jordan. Was this you or chip again? You have failed the show. Um, noticed some of the top offensive line recruits from Wisconsin trending away from the Badgers. Is this something to keep an eye on for fickle? Could it be a result of a possible change in offensive philosophy? I, it's something to keep an eye on. I don't know that it's necessarily something to worry about at this point. Uh, it's also just across the board a, a a poor offensive line year this year compared to the prior year, which I thought was very strong. Uh, like for instance, probably both tackles Miami side are, are going to be starters immediately, and, and they that from what I've heard, they feel good about them. Um, this year, I'm not really sure we have that. I think we had one offensive tackle in our top 50 players in the country, which is very low uh, because that that is a premium position. You know, next year, there's a lot of really good guys out there, so. What we don't know is the staff's exact opinion of these guys that are are slipping away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh, so this. This is always that word. This is one of my theories, though, about like the Big Ten West in general and why they play a certain way, and they always have because I feel like I I think it is. I'm not. I think it is an interesting point in that. Wisconsin got to where it was because it took advantage of the type of players that surrounded it in the area. It built an offense to suit its recruiting area. Now, in this day and age, that might not be nearly as important as it was 30 years ago, but like the offensive lines in this portion of the country are producing, you know, high schools are producing offensive linemen that are, you know, like grounded pound three yards and a cloud of dust type of stuff. It's not really spread offensive linemen. So I do wonder if that will have an impact. I think Michigan struggled with that when Rich Rod came in. I think Wisconsin struggled with it when Gary Anderson took in. I think Nebraska's been struggling with it ever since they joined the Big Ten and they kept trying to play the same style that they were playing in the Big 12 and they were able to recruit down to Texas. So I don't know if one year is a sign of anything bad or coming where other players are, you know, trending more towards programs like Iowa and Illinois and Minnesota that are still kind of playing that same way that Wisconsin used to. And I'm not saying I don't think they can recruit over at Wisconsin and be just fine, but I do think it is something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Another recruiting question for you here. This is from Adam Souter. With Michigan now having the number one class in 24, is this just early momentum and a quantity over quality thing? Or do you see them carrying this thing through and finishing in the top three? Oh, okay. So they're asking for like staying power ratings for the recruiting rankings right now. It is mm-hmm. April. Mm-hmm. I need a I need a hard and fast prediction. Where will Michigan's twenty four class finish ranked? Top three. Top three is hard, man. Yes. Top, top three because there, there's also the volume element that plays into this. But they they're in on a lot of top guys. They're in on Aaron Scott, one of the top cornerbacks. That kind of has Ohio State people freaking out a little bit. Just how well Michigan may or may not be doing on this one. What's their win total going to be? 10, 10, 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. 10 juice over 10 and a half, maybe slight juice under. I would, uh, I think they're going to have a decent shot. Like they, they have better coaches recruiting now. I think they're selling their player development extremely well on the recruiting trail. And they're also selling their winning, which is, is great. Right. Uh, so, I think they're going to have a real shot to finish to finish top three. I think they have an excellent shot to finish like top five or six. Here's here's one that could get us a soundbite. We'll end the show on this one because this this could this 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 stuff always gets the people going. From Victor Victor, 
What speeds up Saban's retirement more? Winning another national title within the next three years or not winning a national title in the next three years? I personally think he wants to go out with a natty. I was going to say quarterback recruiting, but I was going to say, do you uh, think, do you think it matters? Do you think three years is kind of just three years at this point, either way? Like how long is he going to go? I mean, do we think that the number of titles drives him? I, I think it's like being able to, to craft a team each year and competing against yourself. It, it, some of these guys stay on message pretty well, but like if you don't think Nick really believes what he says in terms of like, hey, you have to be the best you can be, right? Everybody has a job. You have to do it. I, I think he loves competing. And talk to guys who have played basketball with him. With, mm-hmm. Like if you know guys who've been on those staffs, they say he's really competitive in, in those staff basketball games, even though he's, what is he, mid-60s now? Or is he 70 yet? He's like 70. He's, yeah. Uh, or no, I don't know. He might still be in his 60s. I mean, I think the guy is super competitive. I, I don't think that he would be like, okay, I got one more. I'm I'm going to hang it up. He's now, 71. What if he realized he couldn't do it? 71. Wow. Like, what if it's he realized, awesome. like, okay, I'm not, not, not going to get back to the mountaintop? Like, would he be okay with not, not winning? He's also 5'6", so, I mean, I feel like I could I could lock Saban down. Uh, that's just uh, maybe I I'm saw being, that 6'2 again on the, the annual physical yesterday. Yeah, I, I just tower over him. I'd be like, get out of here, little boy. Get that weak stuff out of here. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, so what, what if he starts losing? Like, can he handle that? We really haven't seen Saban lose for a prolonged period of time, right? You had 2010 where they lost, what, three or four ball games and – they were super talented, just didn't put it together. Similar question. Dion has his own media company. Mm-hmm. How are you going to spin if maybe they go five and seven? Right? Like, what if they go two and ten? Like that, that type of thing. What, what does that look like? And Dion, as a player, by the way, a, a lot of success. I mean, think about where he played and when. Atlanta was probably not great in the early 90s. I'm trying to remember now what, what the NFL was like back then. San Fran in 94 was pretty damn good, if I recall. Dallas Cowboys, mid to late 90s, uh, definitely didn't suck. Washington, I don't remember for one year. And then Baltimore, early 2000s, Baltimore was pretty <laughs> was was pretty damn good as well. Uh, and, and I mean, he, he had it on easy mode at Jackson State because he had a bunch of Power 5 players in, in one of the worst FCS leagues out there. Like, how does he handle losing? I'm really... Like actually kind of fascinated to see that. It'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We will be back tomorrow with an NFL draft special ahead of the first round of the NFL draft beginning on Thursday night. So uh, we hope that you show us. We will be live again at 11 a.m. Eastern here on YouTube.com slash cover three. And again, if you're watching us right now and you still haven't done it, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We will see you tomorrow. Uh, he's Bud Elliott. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3. I'm Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Tom Fernelli. He was Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. And Chip is moving into a house at Chip Patterson or Chip underscore Patterson. You can follow him and his adventures in his new home there. Uh, so until tomorrow, thanks for joining us. See you then.